chapter 22 tonight. Appreciate you coming back. Are we on here? Am I, am I good? How about now? Just checking, okay. Luke 22, if everybody's there and uh, looking forward. We're going to continue. Last night, we talked a little bit about deception and uh, some of the elements about being deceived. And it uh, was one of the points that we made. And so we want to kind of continue with that theme just a little bit tonight, if we could, for a few moments. So would you stand with me as we give honor unto God's Word? <clears throat> Luke chapter 22. going to begin reading in verse 31. If you want to follow along, verse 31. The Bible says, The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for thee, that thy faith fell not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Lord, we come to you now. We do ask for your power, for your word, Lord, as we've prayed and sought your heart, Lord, on what to bring forth. And Lord, as we continue in that vein of the danger of deception, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be alerted. Uh, be awakened, Lord, to your truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> now, you know, I know the, the opening illustration is a little different, uh, mainly because you all live in New York City. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but uh, you all drive crazy. Okay, I just thought I'd tell you that, okay? But uh, in our little town of 25,000, I was going to work one day, and I remember driving down the road and, you know, just minding my own business. And, and to the left of me uh, was this lady... No jokes about lady drivers, okay? It just happened to be a lady is all I'm saying. And so I'm coming up on the right, and she's on the left, and, and I get to be almost even with her. And uh, just not quite, maybe three quarters. And all of a sudden, she decided she wanted my lane. And so she came over. I mean, she didn't look. And how do you know? Well, yeah, I'm kind of watching. I look over there, and all of a sudden, here she comes. Blinker comes on. She comes over. I mean, I slam on my brakes. I go to the curb. I'm just waiting to be hit. Off she goes. Now, I did have enough time to give a hello honk. You know, that's where you go, honk, you know. And uh, so I did get that off. And I'm watching, and um, she didn't turn. She never looked at me. She just went on her way. And I was a little irritated. I'm not going to lie to you. I- I'm going to church, and my thought was this. That woman tried to kill me. I mean, she just tried to take me out. That was my thought. But the farther I drove, I realized, most likely, she didn't see me. I doubt that she thought, hey, there's Pastor Waterloo. Let's take him out. You know, it, was just, it just happened. It was a mistake. It was an accident. She was focused on something else and she veered over. And my thought came to me, you know, I wonder. I wonder how many times I've done that. <laughs> uh, you, you know, we don't know. Why? Because normally when you do it, you don't know you did it. Okay? Unless someone honks, of course. Uh, then you know. But you just kind of, there's times in our lives where we go in our way. We don't recognize what we've done. Well, what had happened was this. I ended up in what you would call a blind spot to her. In other words, it was either a blind spot because she didn't look or because of the angle of the car. I just couldn't be seen. When I thought about that, I thought about how many blind spots we run into in our own lives. And tonight, if I title the message, I would probably title it uh, Christian Blind Spots. And uh, the fact that we need to be aware of those blind spots. And this passage here, I think, is very evident of that. Take a look with me, if you would. We know it's the end of Jesus' life. He's meeting here with his disciples. Uh, as you come to this portion of Scripture, and the Lord is talking to Simon Peter, the little rock. He's going to lead the church. Very important figure. He's going to lead the church. 
And as we're watching this unfold, and we see this man, now think about this, he has walked with Jesus for three and a half years. We just had a ministry refresher course for a couple of days, and, and uh, I can speak for the pastors uh, that were there. And uh, we, Brother Jet preached several sessions, I preached several sessions. Uh, Brother Mike, he went to Bible college and graduated. What, did you make it four years? Did you actually get out? Okay. And uh, so he graduated. Uh, but going to those classes in Bible college, going to church, as great as that is, can we all agree on this? Walking with Jesus for three and a half years is the greatest education you could ever receive. I'm talking he ate, slept, lived, ministered with Jesus Christ for three and a half years. That's his life. This is Peter. This is the Peter we're talking to. Jesus, though, being sovereign, knowing all things, understands what's happening. He knows it's his time. He's having a conversation. Look what he says. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for thee that thou, thy faith fell not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I want to point out something real quick here. That word converted isn't what you think. When we use the word converted, appropriately, I may say, he needs to be converted. You know, maybe Philip needs to be converted. Praise God. We're saying he needs to be saved. But this word converted just means change. Which, of course, happens at salvation. Amen. To change. But Peter, he's walked with Jesus three and a half years. He's the leader of the church. God's assigned him. I think by following his testimony, he's a saved man at this point. Okay. He loves God. Believes in God. So when you look at the context, Jesus says, when thou art converted, thy faith uh, you'll be strengthened and you'll strengthen others. He was saying this, you have something to change in your life. You have something that needs to change. And when that changes, you'll do great things. You really are. But look at Peter's response. Look what he says. And he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both to prison and to death. Now think about this. Here's the response. Are you ready? The God of the universe is talking to you. He's telling you something. I don't know about you, but if God's talking to me, here's what I'm thinking. That's it. I'm not talking back. I mean, this is God talking. I'm thinking, I'm just listening. And here he is. He goes, listen, here it is, Peter. He goes, Peter, Satan wants you really bad. He wants to get to you really bad. And his only response is, well, it's okay, Lord, not so. Well, I would die for you. I mean, I'm fine. Basically saying this, everything's okay. I got it under control. Man, I'll fight for you. I'll die for you. In the very next verse, what's Jesus say? This night, you'll deny me three times. Three times, you'll deny me. And I looked at that, and here's my belief. I believe that everything Peter said, he meant with every part of his being. He honestly thought he was ready to die for Jesus Christ. So what was his problem? Well, let me put it this way. Peter had a blind spot. Peter didn't know everything about himself. And and I want to talk to you tonight about that, because here's the thing. If I were to ask you if you're 100% like Jesus Christ, I dare to say no one would have the audacity to raise their hand and say, I am 100% like Jesus Christ. I can't. I try, but I couldn't say, me and Jesus. You're looking at me, you got Jesus. Most of you are going, no, Pastor Waterloo, that's not true. Because this is not. You know, there's areas of growth that we all need in our life. So I haven't arrived. I don't have a 100% of Christ-likeness. I'm trying to be more like Christ, but I haven't arrived. So because of that, stop and think about this. Could we say this? If we haven't come to a place where we're 100% everything we need to be, could we say this? Then probably, probably, if you're like me, every year I need to grow. 
could I say it this way? Every year I need to change something. I need to, can we use the word? Be converted. Not saved. I'm already saved. Going to heaven. Can't lose that. Praise God. But I need to change something in my life to be more like Christ. If Peter, for goodness sakes, one of the greatest apostles ever, needs to change something, I don't think you and I have arrived. I don't think you and I have made it to a place where we could say, listen, me and God, we got everything okay. You know, I don't ever have to change. No. I believe that every year we should be growing to change. And I want to talk to you about some blind spots. First of all, I want to talk about personal blind spots. That's probably the obvious. Uh, we have personal blind spots. You say, what's that? You ever notice maybe a couple um, that likes each other in the church? Have you ever seen that happen? And you're looking at her and you're looking at him and you're saying, no way. I mean, no way. I mean, this couple should not be together for whatever reasons. I mean, you're like, it's not a match. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they may even be two good Christian people, but it's not a match. And I'll watch that. And even as a pastor, I'm like, oh, no. But she'll come in and say, Pastor, I'm in love. My heart is flittering and fluttering and I'm in love. And I'm thinking, it's probably indigestion. Yeah, you, you, you take some antacid, you'll be fine. You know, or he's like, oh, she's just perfect. And I'm like, we're talking about the same person, right? She's just wonderful. And I'm thinking, man, you are blind, man. You know, and so what, what's happening there? Well, they get together and we say love blinds. Everybody else can see it, but that couple's like, they don't get it. And everybody, friends, family are like, that's just not, my son was uh, liked a girl and uh, they were together and going through that process of courtship and right at the verge of getting engaged. And I asked him to do something. I said, son, would you do me a favor? Um, would you ask three people that know you and know her? I don't care who you choose. I'm not going to tell you who. You pick three people that know both of you. You guys have been you know, together for a couple of years and you're now at that process. You want to get a ring and get engaged. And, and, and I've got to be honest with you. I don't think this is a girl. I mean, she came to every service. She loved the Lord. She was faithful. But I'm just going to tell you, as father-in-law, it was going to be tough for me. She just had a different personality. And it was going to be rough. But I'm not marrying her. But she was going to be a daughter. And I'm like, son, if you love her, we'll love her. I'm, I'll pretend this conversation never happened. I will accept her 100%. But just do me a favor. Ask three people. So he did. He went and asked three people. Every single person said this. She's a good young lady, but she's not for you. She's a good young lady, but she's not for you. I mean, everyone. He broke off the relationship. Finally found the girl of his dreams, which we are so happy. Pray for them. We don't have grandkids yet because uh, they're wicked. And uh, see, if you'd pray for them to start having babies, I'd appreciate it. But uh, he found the right girl. They're happy. Been married for two years. Going great. But here's the thing. He was blinded. It was that, oh, here it is. We have personal blind spots. You ever notice a person that has really bad breath, I mean chronic, and they don't realize it? You ever notice those are always the ones that stand about this close to you? I mean, seriously. Not the, not the one who smells good. Oh, everything's always good. I mean, it's the person right there that's like, hi, Brother Waterloo. I'm always like, hi, how are you? I mean, you, you know that's true. It happens every time. And you walk away going, how do they not know? How? Well, that's a blind spot. I mean, no one walks around like that on purpose. I mean, if you knew that, you wouldn't. I can't tell you how often I fired my staff. You know, you go out to eat and there's something in your tooth. That's always a blessing. You know, you don't see it because I didn't go back and look in a mirror. And so I've got a piece of seaweed or spinach in my tooth. And all afternoon I'm counseling. The end of the day, 
I go to the bathroom. There it is. Well, I know I ate lunch at noon. It's now five, six o'clock. I'll go to my secretary, who was my sister-in-law at the time. I'm like, did you see that? She goes, yeah, it's very embarrassing. <laughs> We're family, for goodness sakes. Why didn't you tell me? I didn't want to embarrass you. Well, thank you for that. So I just talked to a whole bunch of church members, embarrassed myself, but because you didn't want to embarrass me. It's crazy stuff. We're blind. Um, there was a, in Pennsylvania, oh, several years ago, a guy walked into a exercise place, and I don't know, he killed three or four people, shot like seven other people. And here's what caught my attention, though. He said for 20 years, he's never been able to find a, a steady relationship. He says, um, I'm a good-looking guy, I've got a good physique, and I'm a nice guy. Now, i got to question that last part. You just shot three or four people, killed them, shot six or seven other people. I'm thinking there was a whole bunch of women for 20 years that realized you weren't as nice as you thought you were. You see, now, those are illustrations that we look at and we laugh like, but can I tell you, we're in the same boat. You say, what do you mean? We all have personal blind spots, do we not? Things hard for us to see about ourselves. Well, that's not the one that worries me the most. Can I tell you what worries me the most? Spiritual blind spots. Can we take a quick look back at Peter in his spiritual blind spots? Look at the verses again. Verse 31. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Are you aware John 10.10 says that the thief cometh but to kill, steal, and destroy? May I remind you that thief Satan has the desire to kill you, to steal from you, to destroy your life? May I remind you that Peter even warned us, be sober, be vigilant. Did you hear what I said? Peter warned us in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Where do you think he learned it? Right here. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking. I mean, he's searching. Are you aware there's someone searching to take you out? You have an enemy who hates you with everything inside of him. Because you're a born-again believer. You're a part of the enemy. You believe in God. And he will spend every second he can to destroy your life. And here Jesus is looking at Peter and he says, Peter, I know you've been faithful. I know you love me. I did all that. But hang on, buddy. You have a trial coming you're not even aware of. And Satan is going to take you out. He's going to try. But I'm praying for you. And Peter's like, well, not me. Well, I died for you. I- I'm fine. No, he wasn't. I think too often we walk around in this cloud thinking that, um, or forgetting that there's a fight out there. There's a fight. Come on, you guys live in New York City. You should know that. Safest place to be. And I'm not talking physically, but I mean spiritually is right here. Amongst other brothers and sisters in Christ. Isn't it easy to serve God here? Well, yeah. As long as you're in this building, how hard is that? Let's just be honest. That's why you come and worship. You need those breaks. But you walk outside those doors and welcome to the city. Now, I'm not an expert on the city. I've listened to some people talk about it and so forth and what you have to face. But the fact of the matter is it's a battle every single day. Everywhere you go, you're battling Satan. And can I tell you, he wants to destroy your life. He wants to take you out. You say, well, I don't want to fight. One of my favorite historical stories is uh, William McLean. It's William or Wilbur. I, I, I love that story, though. Um, he was in the Civil War. He owned a piece of property, and the North and South fought on his property. One of the biggest battles, actually. And uh, he was a little frustrated with it. And they said, listen, I don't know why we're fighting. I'm not in agreement with the fight. I don't want to fight. And so he moved. And I always get the name of the county wrong. Is it Apotomax? Is that how you say that? 
Apple Matex? How do you say it? Apple Max? It's not how it's spelled, but that's fine. Apple Max. It's like Apple Matox, but Apple Max. So he moved to Apple Max uh, County in Virginia, and he bought him a little bitty cabin way out in the country, and he says, they can fight all they want. I want nothing to do with it. If you know your history, uh, when the war was coming to, a, to an end, they ended up in his area again, and they signed the peace treaty in his front room. He said, I want no part of it. I'm running and hiding. And the war said, oh, yeah, well, we want you to be a part of it. And I thought about that, and I thought about this. You say, I don't want to fight Satan. I don't want to have any problems in the Christian life. Just leave me alone. I'm going to isolate myself. Just leave me alone. It doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't work that way. It's a spiritual battle, and I don't care where you're at, Satan will find you. That's why the Bible says put on the whole armor of God. That's why the Bible says be vigilant, be sober, be aware that Satan's trying to trip you up. He wants you. Why? Because you're a child of God. You're going to influence other people to find Jesus Christ. See, so when we talk about spiritual blind spots, I don't think we can get away from this. The fact that, folks, we have an enemy, Satan, who wants to take us out. But not just that. Look what he said. Jesus and, uh, says, I'm going to pray for you. Peter's response was, and he said to him, Lord, I'm now ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And then Jesus said, and I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt deny me thrice. I thought about this, and here's his response. Besides the fact that you have Satan after you, he was deceived to how powerful Satan was, but he was also deceived, can I put it in this vernacular? He was deceived in just really how his service was to God. What do you mean? Well, see, he thought he was ready for the ultimate martyrdom, but he wasn't. I mean, he thought he was. He thought he had everything down pat. In other words, in his mind, he was doing everything he needed to do. Everything was fine. If you're asking Peter, he says, listen, I'll die for you. Let's go even tonight. And the same night, he made this, the same night, he made it not a year later. He didn't backslide. He didn't get away from it. That night, he didn't deny Jesus one time. You know the story. Three times. He even cursed. This is the leader of the church. Could you imagine your pastor cursing? God forbid. I mean, think about it. Coming in here one day, Brother Montoro is so upset, he starts cursing. All of you would go, I can't believe our pastor did that. Peter did that. Okay, there he is. Did he love God? Yeah. Faithful? Yeah. But here's what he didn't realize. He didn't realize that he was, well, he thought he was farther along than he was. He thought his service to God was fine. What he was doing was okay. But there's some areas that need to change. I can tell you as a pastor, I see that all the time. I see good people that love the Lord that think they're farther along than they are. It's very hard for me nowadays to, um, well, there's pros and cons. They have a thing out there. I know you've never heard of it, but it's called Facebook. And uh, the blessing of Facebook for a pastor is I find out more things than I want to know. But I am amazed at believers, what they put out there, and yet they friend me. And I'm like, pastor, same church, ah, you might want to watch what you print out there. And if you talk to them, they're like, oh, I love God, me and God, we're just like this. One lady in particular, she claims to be a member of our church. She is, by the fact that she's on the roll. Uh, but she hasn't been in probably seven, eight years. If you talk to her, she would say, I love Pastor Waterloo. I love the church. It's my favorite. We, I'm not lying. She hasn't been in six, seven years. Maybe eight, nine. 
And uh, she will talk like we're the greatest thing on the face of the earth. And I look at her, my thought is, you don't get it, do you? <laughs> I'm not saying you're lost, although there's a lot of questions there. Okay, but I'm saying, really, you're that faith. I mean, she puts scripture verses out. She's not going to church anywhere. She talks about how wonderful God is. I'm like, stop it! Why? You're doing more damage than you are good. Why? Because you're, you're not as far along as you think you are. You're not. We think we're so far along. Are we? Do we serve the way we should serve? Do we give the way? I love missions, preacher. Are you involved in missions? It's easy to say, but I'm thinking, man, if I'm going to be that excited about it, I might want to give and go and do the things you're supposed to do. It's easy to say it. It's harder to do it. It was easy for Peter to say, I will die for you. A lot harder when that night Jesus said, okay, let's see. Wait a second. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. See what I'm saying? All of us can say something with our mouth. But the key is, are we where we need to be? Now, let's just be honest. We already said, none of us are perfect. We get that. But shouldn't we be growing? I mean, are you the same as you were last year spiritually? Hopefully you haven't declined. That happens, but hopefully not. But more than that, are you growing? Are you growing? Again, Peter, three and a half years, side by side, him and Jesus all the way. He thinks his service is right on target. And folks, it's not. It's not. He was, can I say this? Deceived. He deceived himself into thinking he was a stronger Christian than he was. We talked about our measuring stick last night being this book and making sure that we're not deceived. Here's a great example of someone who was deceived in his own service. Again, I believe he loved God. I really do. Uh, it proves it. I run into a lot of people that I think really love God. But folks, just loving God uh, isn't enough. It, I've been married 29 years. It'll be 30 years next year. Taking my wife to Maui, Hawaii. I'm thinking after 30 years with me, she probably deserves it. You know what I'm saying? And that's probably what she deserves after that long. And so I'm going to take her there. Uh, but um, here's the thing. If I just every day said, honey, I love you. You mean everything in the world to me. You're the apple of my eye. I just love you so much. And yet I do nothing around the house. I never come home at night. I spend time with the guys, the friends. I do nothing she ever asked me to do. I spend very little time. I just make sure every morning before I leave, I say, I love you. I'm thinking at some point she's going to go, hmm. You know, those are wonderful words, but something's missing. You know what I'm saying? Something's missing. I know a lot of people in that state, when we say, I love God, but are we serving Him the way that we should? Peter loved God. Peter thought he was ready. Peter wasn't ready. He wasn't. Now, here's the thing I want to get to, though. That's the interpretation. That's the verse. So what do you get out of it? Well, let me tell you what you need to get out of this that I think is very important. If you stop and look at this, and you see a man of God who had a purpose and a plan and a destiny, and God was going to use him in a great way, he had a great failure here, okay? You say, what could I learn from this? Well, here's what I want you to learn. First of all, you ready? Really deep. This is really deep. James chapter 1 again. Are you ready? Listen. Listen. Be swift to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Listen. What do you mean? You know one of the greatest attributes in the Christian life is a teachable spirit. A teachable spirit. 
You know what Peter should have done? This is Jesus. Peter, I prayed for you. Thank you, God. Why? Satan desires to sift you as we. What should I do? Teach me. Tell me. What's the problem? What's going on? That's not what he did. No, what he did is, I would die for you. I'm fine. I kind of say it this way. No, not me. Don't need the advice. I'm okay. Okay, Peter. Well, we'll see you. 24 hours. I mean, seriously. You know what we need in our churches? Let me help you. Listen. God's given you a pastor. Is he perfect? Don't ask his wife. I doubt it. Is he the pastor? Yes. Does God speak and use him? Yes. Why? Because he knows what you need. He knows what you need. Now, what about his needs? Pretty sure God can take care of that. God's a pretty big God. So what happens? When he speaks, he's not speaking his words. Are you ready? He's speaking God's word. When this book is open, and anybody opens this book, the best thing you could do is this. Listen. Listen. We have so many people that don't listen. We don't listen to the word of God. Seriously, if we would be more swift to hear, as the Bible said, slow to speak, slow to speak our mind, and just soak it in, soak it in. Could you imagine the difference of the story? Let's change the story. Jesus last night, getting ready to be crucified. Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. What do I do, Lord? What do I do, Lord? You need to pray. Come with me to Gethsemane. Be careful, though. Watch. Be on guard. Get on your face. Pray. Get before me. Why? Because Satan's coming. Yes, Lord. I'll go now. Totally different story. Totally different story. Instead of a great failure, we have a great victory from Peter. Because what? He listened. He listened. I counted one time how many sermons I preached. It was overwhelming. Especially in relation to how many are listened to. You say, why do you preach every week? I've been tempted, brother, Montoro, to do this. I heard a preacher doing this a long time ago. He got up and he preached the message. And it was great. It was so good. That night he came back and preached the same message. People came out, preacher, that's a good one. I'm telling you, that's a good one. Midweek service, same message. Sunday, no lie, same message. By now, after four times, same exact message. He had it down pretty good. The deacons began to assemble and decided to go talk to the pastor. As a pastor, I, man, that message is really good. <laughs> Matter of fact, we know it very well. We're just thinking, you got anything else? He looked at him and he said, you know what? I'll change my message when you start living what that message was. Now, I've never had the guts to do that. But I got to tell you, it, he used a very powerful message to his congregation. It's what this, listen. Your job isn't just to come and hear the word of God. As we said last night, your job is to be a doer of the Word of God. Now, it does take listening first. You have to be in the house of God. By the way, you know that's why you should be in the house of God? Can I tell you, you and I need the house of God. We really do. It's great to have personal worship, personal Bible study each day. Oh, it's wonderful. But boy, there's something about corporate worship. There's something about unifying in a local body together that is huge, that God designed. And you get preached at. You know, you know it's a foolishness of preaching? What are you doing here on a Friday night? Do you know that they think you're strange out there? I mean, really, we're in New York. They think you're strange. That's an oxymoron. Okay, why? You go to church? So you went Thursday, you go Friday? Are you going back tomorrow? What are you, weird? Yeah, we are. <laughs> Don't you go on Sundays? Yeah, four days in a row? What in the world? I mean, your family probably thinks you're wacko. You guys are fanatics. 
That's what you are, fanatics. Now think about that. Because you're in God's house with God's people. Hearing, are you ready? First Corinthians 1. The foolishness of preaching, which what? Changes men and women. I don't know why. Why would you come listen to a gray-haired man uh, yell at you? I don't know why you're doing that. Well, because that's how God designed it. What do you have to do? You listen. You listen. What do I do after I listen? Are you ready? Change. Peter, when thou art converted, when not only you listen, but you change, everything will change. Can I tell you something? You and I need to change. I don't know you. Your pastor's told me nothing about you negative. Seriously. I could not come up to anybody and go, oh, I know about you. Oh, yeah. He, told, he explained a lot about you. I don't know you. I have no bad stories. I, I have nothing to say. I, I, don't, I don't know any of you. That's why a message like this is perfect. I get to go home. Okay? But I've been in a lot of churches. I've been in our church 27 years. Associate pastor for seven, preaching for 20. Uh, my only expertise is people. People in a, the Bible as best as I can. That's about it. That, that's my only expertise. I can't sing. Okay? I don't play an instrument. I hate those preachers who can. Okay? It's disgusting. It's uh, just wrong. they got that much talent. Uh, so, I don't have those abilities. But what I do know is people. And I'm guessing, I know it's in New York. And I know you guys think you're different than Oklahoma. Okay? I know. Yeehaw. I know. Um, but here's what I've noticed. People are the same everywhere. We have strange people in Oklahoma. Trust me on this one. Can I tell you this? We have strange people in my church. Uh, churches like ours attract weird people. Which makes me wonder who's here. Anyways. Uh, but it does. I mean, we, we have strange people in our church. And they would fit into New York like that. Okay, they could move here tomorrow and fit right in. People are people everywhere. You know, we have the same sin problems you have. We really do. You name something. We got it. We got it. I live in Kay County, Oklahoma, and we were just talking about, uh, we, we have the um, largest concentration of meth labs in the state of Oklahoma. That's exciting. Teen pregnancy is out of this world. And last two years, four girls in our church got pregnant, not being married. Yeah, I mean, it's, cra- it's crazy. Um, drugs, alcohol. You think about a big city. We're 25,000, and it, it is mind-boggling what we face. We face everything that you face. You may have more because you have five, six million people. Okay? So we think, wow, we got more. Well, you might have more because of the area, more people, but we have the same thing. So think about that. If you have that there, you have it here, right? So let's take it a step further. People are the same everywhere. I got a good church, good people that love the Lord. But can I tell you? Every one of them needs to grow. Every one of them. We got people, good men that love God, leaving their families that have blind spots. Some of them, I'll watch. I wish they would learn how to discipline their kids. The biblical way. I would tell them, they're just not listening. And they're going to get offended and get upset. But if they're willing to listen, I wouldn't be mean, but I'd be like, let me help you. The Bible is very clear on that. There's some ladies in our church, I love them, because they cook good. Okay, but they got some attitudes. There's some women with some attitudes. It's not as godly as it needs to be. You know, what do you do? We love them. We're nice to them. But I'm praying they change. I'm praying one day they change. We got one lady, I pray all the time, Lord, let nobody talk to her today. 
She has got the worst attitude you've ever seen in your life. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, she's been in the church since I've been there longer, probably 30, 40 years. She's offended more people than she's ever brought to church. Okay, I'm, she's run more people off. And I'm like, God, why have you done this to me? And, uh, if, and you would think that she was just an old, mean woman. And I remember it was last year. It was last year or the year before. Finally, it's one of those things, enough's enough. And uh, she had offended a guest. So one thing we offend a member. I expect our members to get over it. You know, it's like, just get over it. You know why? We're all family. Did you know, by the way, the longer you're in a church, the more offended you'll be? No, I'm serious. I, this is free. You know how do you, you know you're in the, the church family? Someone offends you. Yeah. If you've not been offended yet, you don't come enough. It's a family. Come on, everyone in my family's offended me, my personal family. Every one of them's done something I don't like. And yet I'm stuck with them, amen? You know, the church is the same way. I mean, I tell our people, you come in, and as a guest, you probably have no problems. Once you join, hang on. Somebody will say something you don't like. You know, and it always amazes me. People leave and quit. I'm like, why? We're a family. Work it out. So here's this woman. Finally, I'm like, I got to talk to her. So, Brother Jed, I went up to her. I said, Mrs. So-and-so, listen, I need to let you know, you, you can't be saying this to people. You know, we had a guest come in. You totally offended her. I really expected to get the normal response of, well, pastor, she shouldn't have been dressed that way or saying that or whatever she was doing. You know, she should just be more Christ-like. I'm like, she's probably not even saved. Kind of hard to be Christ-like. We don't even know Christ. But you know what I got instead? She started bawling. She started bawling. I was shocked. Seriously. She started profusely apologizing. I've known this lady at that time 25 years. I thought she was the hardest, meanest woman in the world. And I'm not exaggerating. And then when she started crying, I realized she doesn't know. She doesn't know. She is offensive all the time. And she doesn't know. I said, wow, a blind spot. And let me tell you what that helps. It should help you with. If somebody's irritating you, can I remind you of something? You have a blind spot too. You have a blind spot, too. I'm not excusing sin. All of us need to repent of sin. But I think a little bit of love and a little bit of forgiveness in the body of Christ should be good, don't you? Because we all have issues. We all have issues. i got a church full of issues. Yeah. I am never bored. Seriously, as a pastor, I don't get bored. If you, say, if you tell me I'm bored, I can't comprehend that. I don't know what bored is. Uh, and that's great. I love it. That's what God's called me to do, is, is work with people. And we have all these problems that come, and I'm learning to, to love it. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I like problems. Okay, but I'm learning just to realize, to work with people and realize that's life. But I'm also learning this, to love people, to forgive people, and accept them. Because they've got to live with me. They've got to put up with me. I'm sarcastic. I don't know if you're aware of that. Yeah, I can be very sarcastic. That's what people tell me. I'm a funny guy. No, sir. No, I'm a funny guy. But sometimes way too funny. Sometimes way too funny. Should be serious? Not there. Not there. Yeah, get it. And yet our people have to put up with me. So what I've learned, I've learned to put up with them. But here's what I ask them. Pray about your blind spots. Find them and change them. Change them. Why? Because our goal is always to be more like Jesus Christ. Now, I think you know about Matthew 7 sure is easier to pick out the beam in someone else's eye, isn't it? 
Yeah, you remember that. That's really what we're talking about. Folks, if Peter would have just stopped and listened and then changed. Wow, what a different story. Tonight, you have a choice. Simple sermon for you tonight. I'm asking you to do one thing. Listen. Don't be looking at everybody else's problems. Look at your, yourself. Get in the Word of God and say, God, what do I need to change? And then when you find it out, change. Change. How often will I have to do that? Every year. As soon as I get one thing fixed, something else messes up. Because I'm human. But I should always listen and always change. You'll enjoy your life. You'll enjoy other people more. And they'll enjoy you more. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you now. We thank you for your word. Lord, please forgive us, Lord, for our blind spots. Lord, for the fact that so often we look at others and we see their sins and their problems. And forget, Lord, we have issues as well. I thank you for this passage that reminds us, Lord, that alerts us to the fact this great man of God, Peter, was so sincere, so dedicated. And yet, Lord, he didn't see a very glaring fault. Lord, he wasn't as dedicated as he thought he was. And Lord, he went through a great trial. Satan did beat him up. But praise God, he repented and got back up. And the end of the story is a glorious one. He accepted his failure, confessed his sin, got up and started serving you, became one of the great leaders in the church. Lord, we all have issues. We all have problems. Nobody's exempt. The problem, Lord, is when we get caught up in pride and arrogance and we quit addressing our issues, Lord. We quit listening to the Word of God, listening to others. And we quit changing. Help us continue to change to be more like you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.